1: He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church
2: Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones.
1: Coming to you for number actually we're gonna be at fifty-four because um we're recording this on Friday and I'm gonna do Joey Turner's interview on Saturday. It's gonna be a special Saturday interview.
2: Beer That was from Willow.
1: Dude, you cannot do a throwback to Willow. Oh yeah. It you wasn't can. even a good movie, and you're talking Bad like Martin early again.
2: 80s. Willow Turn me back! You know
1: how I feel about the little people. I'm telling you, it's not a good movie.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, all, all I'm telling you is like Wicked E. Warwick in it. The guy played Wicked he Return say, of the wasn't Jedi. He, uh, he's like yeah, the main character. He was Return of the Jedi. And, and he's sitting next to uh, Jabba the Hutt in uh, Phantom Menace. Is he? Yeah. Have you seen it? There's like a little person with like this craze-eyed expression cheering the race, And that's... Uh, that's actually Wicked E. Warwick, the little teeny uh yeah, no, the Teddy Bear they, Ewok.
1: I knew th- he also had a TV show not that long ago. It was like a Wizard. A oh no,
2: no, no. That was uh David Rappaport, the um uh lead guy from Time Bandits, which is one of my all time favorite movies. So if we refer to Little People Ninjas, it's because Time Bandits has been deeply scarred into my psyche from a very young age. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for that. Hey, before we get into today's
1: topic, um I'm finally going to play a couple of calls that we received on the message line. All right, so uh, which one do you want to hear first? Do you want to hear from our uh, friend in Texas or our friend in Canada? Because I'm going to play two of them today.
2: Well, we, we can't play a Canadian before an American. <laughs> uh, here.
1: And, and the key thing to remember, um, what's your favorite underbrews? That's what we're looking for, favorite underbrews.
3: Hey, guys, this is Ryan Roberts from Texas. Uh, Favorite Underoos, uh, well, if it didn't have a Superman hero on the butt, then just boxer briefs, I guess.
1: Uh. I got to stop it right there. Um, Why wouldn't it have a Superman hero thing on the butt? I mean, isn't that pretty much standard?
2: Absolutely. I'm a bit baffled by that comment.
1: I'm a little bit thrown. And uh, boxer briefs, that's, you know, you either go commando or Underoos that's that's kind of well, how it is
2: okay okay but that's when you're in your superman tights right but you and i both know that when you're in your clark kent duds boxers are acceptable i mean just harken back to our christmas presents
1: i don't know what you're talking about i'm commando. i know you want to i know you want to. commando tonight. or superman or sons of anarchy
2: dude i'm just telling you on on christmas morning you and i did a, a little bit of uh photo uh interchanges back and forth on the, on the even my phone I don't even coming. want to
1: go over that again because it's so hard to explain to people we were fully I, clothed we weren't like okay shooting okay all right of ourselves right. i deem
2: I deem ryan's comment acceptable then okay all right I'm just going to leave it alone and keep going yeah 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 pull the, show. It, Love it, the scab doing. off
3: uh, I listen to it all the time um, big fan of uh Peyton and what he's doing and uh really uh just uh really just keep doing what you're doing um I think y'all are um, Hidden topics that are relevant and are needing to be answered, and just uh, let us know as listeners how we can support Jump School. Um, obviously, financially, but also just how can we promote it for you, and uh, what kind of is your target demographic so we can uh, um, be a part of that. And so, uh, and how are you going to get feedback on how it's going? So um, appreciate everything. Uh, much love here from Texas, and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon.
1: See, here's my thing on that. You know, the whole, you know, obviously financially, but how else can we support you? To me, that says, in other words, you're not going to support us financially.
2: I'm still thinking about the underwear.
1: (laughs) All right, let's move on to Canada.
2: Oh, well, well, we're, should we tell him how we, here's how you can support us guys. <laughs> you really and, and want, now, you really are trying to get that money. <laughs> I, I paid him to say that. No, no. Uh, apart from finances, here's the deal. What, what we really want you guys to do right now is to blast that, leave us reviews so that we go up the chain on, uh, we're actually pretty high up on, on iTunes right now.
1: We are the number one church planner podcast and it's really cool to see all these other guys following our lead, and uh, and trying to duplicate. And I think there's there's enough it, need
2: that is happening. happening right now.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. enough need out there that it's not. I don't consider it competition. One, because let's face it, they don't have Pete Mitchell or Peyton Jones on on unless we're guests on their show. So I don't goes without saying. I'll never consider them as
2: competition.
1: But um, I think there's enough <laughs> need out there.
2: Spoken like a true marketer. Pete. I'm
1: just saying. But there's enough need, really. I'm gonna and, crush them, and and oh, he... all these you know interviews and stuff that these other guys are doing, I think are gonna be good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and here's the thing: um, if you guys want to support us, though, tell people about it. You know, we're we were talking about this just the other day. We're doing this for free because we have a love for church planners. So just you know, we're not we don't have the money for advertising. You guys are our average. You're our posse. You're our tribe. Um, you are our church planner evangelist. So uh, get the word out. Hit the highways and byways. When you see something on Facebook that you like of ours, don't just hit like. Hit share, right? Just just be like our megaphone, right? Just be our amplifier. That's it.
1: That's cool. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I here's
1: here's the uh, – oh, yeah. So how are they going to support the uh, – oh, that's what you're saying. they can They can hit share and – all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, just blast out what we're doing and uh let people know because, you know, more people here, you know, then uh oh the more people here. <laughs> cool. All right,
1: here's here's one from um Canada. But before we get to the one from Canada, I'd just like to say,
2: uh Peyton, what's the weather like where you're at there in Carlsbad? Oh, you know, Pete, um it's funny you asked that. You know, I got up and it was a little bit overcast today. And then the sun started breaking through the clouds, and man, I got hot. <laughs> like I had to take my sweatshirt off. And uh yeah, man, I, I'm I'm sweating right now as we're doing this podcast. I'm actually was, uh, um
1: I'm I'm naked, but normally I have a pair of shorts on. So
2: Yeah. I like I, I actually had to turn my fan on. I was so hot. I actually had to do that the other
1: day too. Cause, you know, out here in my office it does get a little bit stuffy. So yeah. I opened up the door that goes outside and turned on the fan. So anyway, um, Let's uh, let's hear from our friend in Canada.
4: Hey, Pete and This is Mike from Ontario, Canada calling. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I've been listening to Pete and Peyton's planning podcast since the beginning, and I've perceived a sense of humor so twisted and perverse that I just had to call in about it. it seems to be an ongoing theme of pointing out how paradise-like your weather is. Mm. So let me tell you what it's really like for those of us out here. Hey been minus 20 now for a month, (laughs) but the windchill has been minus 35. Schools have been canceled because kids are getting frostbite in five minutes. My minivan won't start unless I plug it in overnight, and my wife, who is from Africa, is hibernating because she thinks we live in a freezer. (laughs) So next time you're tempted to tell us how you're frolicking amongst the daisies in the park, picking flowers for Jesus, why don't you hop on Pete's Dragon Muy Rapido? And come give me a hand. Now excuse me as I put on my long johns underneath my Johnny Canuck lumberjack underoos and reach the really frozen chosen for Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding,
2: Mike, I detect some bitterness there.
4: I uh, love hearing your podcast. Talk to you later.
2: That
1: was the I, best I think, one yet. Yeah, it's pretty
2: good. Pretty funny.
1: Reaching Jesus is frozen. Chosen. Wait, what did, how do you say it? Frozen, chosen, chosen, frozen?
2: Frozen, chosen.
1: I love it, man. I love it. You know, I would say if you wasn't a church planner, I would normally point out to like my friends that have moved out of California, they have these big green signs above every freeway that tell you how to leave where you're at. That's so awesome. Normally, that's what I would point out. But, hey, if
2: God called you to be uh, frozen, then
1: <laughs> been glad he hey, called um, you.
2: <laughs> so, Pete. Pete, you were laughing uh before we started the show today and you were saying oh man i i I'll, I'll tell you on the podcast what was your story man
1: oh i totally forgot about that all right so i got a financial planning company and uh most of my clients have started to get their their uh, 1099s you know for last year so they've taken out money whatever so one of my clients had um the husband and wife had a Roth, and they decided to close out their Roth accounts. So they ended up getting three 1099s. And they're like, why did we get three? We only closed down our, uh, our Roth IRAs. So I'm like, well, fax me what you got, because I, you know, I don't know what they're talking about until I actually see it. So they fax it to me. I'm looking at it, and I go, oh, well, yeah, you closed out your two Roth IRAs. That's why you got the 1099, which you know basically they don't pay taxes on it, but they still get issued to 1099. And the third one, I go, oh, that's – um." That's your husband's IRA. Apparently, he took out $300 from his IRA. And the wife's like, he doesn't remember taking out any money. So this morning, I'm doing a work for a client, and the husband calls me. And um, I call him back a little bit later, and I go, hey, I saw you called me. Uh, I missed your call. Uh, what's going on? He goes, oh, you know that $300 that uh, my wife is trying to find out about? And I go, yeah. He goes, I know what it's for, but uh, I kind of don't want to tell her. I'm like, okay. Um, he goes, just tell her I took out the money in uh, July of last year, around the 18th, and uh, it was a check that I wrote, and it was made out to some golf company because the dude oh, loves no. golf.
2: Oh no! So this is going in a bad place, and I'm like,
1: because <laughs> uh, like when it, we when I, when I called him back, he he was like him and 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 I realized later was she he, on the line. No, he was moving rooms so he could talk to me.
2: <laughs> so, so you know how, like when people are moving rooms, they're like, yeah, so, uh, the thing is, uh, <laughs> exactly. uh the most Im- important, what, what I was trying to say to you, there's all that like filler, you know, and the interesting thing is they've got all these phrases are thrown in while they're moving. So the funny thing is he could have just said to his wife, uh, I
1: took out $300 from my IRA for the golf, whatever. But he wants me to tell her. So I'm like, "Um, if I'm understanding this correct, then you don't want her to know what you were spending the money on. He goes, no. And I go, well, it's none of my business what you spent the money on. And there's no way I would know. I would just be looking back through the records and see you wrote a check in July. That's all I would know. So I just thought it was funny,
2: man. I'm like, dude, your sins will find you out. Absolutely. Did you you say to him, hey, what do I look like? Saul Goodman? Go call Saul. Well, then, I go,
1: dude. I guess part of my job description description is I'm a marriage counselor. And he starts laughing. He goes, "You can put that on the resume." <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. So, anywho, your sins will find you out. Speaking of sins finding you out, we're going to talk a little bit today on the church. Wow, that was quick. We got right into it, Pete. We're losing our touch. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, how to train up the next generation of church planters. We've been talking about being a viral church or a church planting church, a.k.a. a reproducing church. And the biggest hindrance to that, surprisingly, is not money. I mean, if you listen to our uh, last full length podcast, it aired uh, a week ago. We we have an hour long one that, that airs every week. Um, uh, we, we ended by talking about the finances of how to keep your church planting. There's a way to strategize that financially. But there's also uh, the biggest hindrance is um, human resources, Not, not monetary resources, but human resources, actually having the guys ready to go. And so when you're planting a church, a lot of times what happens is you focus all of your time and energy on getting the church up and running. And right now, the buzz is discipleship. And, and for me, that's a very welcome uh, conversation. It's, it's never not been a part of the Great Commission. Um, it's hardwired into the advancement of the kingdom, and nowhere do you see it more than in church planting churches or viral church planting. Because if you don't have the guys trained up uh, to go, then you know it could be one year, two years, three years, four years, five years into your church plant. And you don't have guys to sin, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do <laughs> you want me to keep going? Uh, I, I uh, feel like Daffy Duck. You know when he, he does the tap dance on the stage, you know, in that old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon? Yeah, and the crickets are chirping. And then he, now, now you're going to make me bring, drink the, uh, the, the explosive potion in the devil suit now. I can only do this once. uh so so the apostle paul first missionary journey right he and barnabas take off and they go to the isle of cyprus and then they go to turkey and they take john mark with them they make it through cyprus and then they stop at the foot of the taurus mountains which you know they had gotten malaria most likely if you read galatians um they got ill And the the Taurus mountain range was notorious for bandits. I've actually been to them. Um, They they are scary looking mountains. They're they're dagger peaked mountains. And John Mark just looks at Paul and Barnabas and says, hey, guys, I don't want to do this anymore. And he takes off. And I think, you know, as as angry as we see Paul get, um, he kind of strategizes better his second missionary journey. Uh, After going back to Antioch for a year after that journey, I think Paul went back into it going, right, if, if we're really going to gain traction here and plant churches that plant churches, then my second time around going back through uh, the region of Galatia and the other places, I need to start picking dudes up and training them with me. So what Paul does is he goes to one town uh, where he had previously planted a church. Uh, they've had a year now to incubate or more, and he picks up. Guys, you know, he picks up Timothy, he picks up Titus, he picks up you know uh, Sylvanus, he picks up uh, Doctor Luke, and he starts taking these guys with him and training them on the journey. To the point where, when we get to Acts chapter twenty, verse four, it lists off eight guys, and they're in teams of two, according to the different regions that they're from. You you can you know research that and check it out. But Paul started getting more strategic about discipling guys. And so the number one thing that, that, you know, would hinder you from being a church planning church is not having a, a process in place to disciple the next generation of church planners.
1: I'm, I'm just thinking about that as, as I'm hearing you say that. And, uh, you know, part of the, what I really like about that is just uh, there's a, a huge need for really investing in people. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't get over how some of these, uh, church planning gurus are just like, you know, don't invest in your core people. They're not going to be around. They're not going to stick with you. And, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy to me, you know, it's, it's genuinely yeah. crazy to me. And you know my story, Well, right? you know,
2: that, that was Jesus' attitude with the 12, right? He's like, hey, one of these guys is going to betray me. One's going to deny me. They're all going to flee. I better not pour too much into these 12 guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, how crazy must that, that have been for Jesus to be like the whole time knowing Judas is going to betray you. Yeah. And yet you're still, in, you're still pouring yourself into him.
2: Well, that and that's the thing is that and and you have to understand, guys, you know, this those of you that are church planning or you're not long down, if you're planning on it, you need to know this. But if you've already started down the journey, then you you know that like Wesley said, Wesley was a serial church planner and I love his summation of people. I live by this. Um, It helps me not get cheesed off at people and all pissed off helps me have a realistic view. Wesley said, the only thing you can expect of people is to be disappointed. And, and that's so, you know, some people, oh, it's a cynic, cynicist. No, it's a realist. That guy wore his dudes out like the apostle Paul, right? Um, I, I make the statement in church zero, ching, ching, that he eats hirelings for breakfast. Most of us could not keep up with him. And the reality is that, uh, the, you know, the, the Apostle Paul, he got disappointed with people. Jesus, I'm sure, you know, he, he says to them, you know, and they're his core team. He's like going, how long must I bear with you? <laughs> like, you know, they're letting him down left and right. They're getting it wrong. They're taking forever to get stuff. And that's what it's like when you're discipling other people, man. But yeah, I mean, Jesus you know he he knows he knows the pain of that. But people let you down, and so you will invest. And and Pete, you and I know this. That I'll invest in people uh, that that will eventually disappoint me. Um and and they don't disappoint me as people because I know people. But what I mean is, I don't seem to get always a return for my investment. But what I do hope going away from that is that because I invested in them. Did it help them grow in the Lord? It may not help them become a church planner, but that would be kind of creepy if I were just using them to make them a church planner. But I've been let down plenty of times if you want to look at it from that angle. You know but, what's,
1: what, what's interesting though is I think about this. This is exactly the opposite of how I try and run my businesses. Like for me to invest in someone, it, it takes a lot because mm. I don't waste my time. I don't like to waste my time. So it's like if you want me to invest in you, then there has to be a reason why I'm investing <laughs> in you. You have to have you stepped don't. up in so many ways. And I,
2: I remember when you and I first started talking, I would call you up and like, you know how like when you're when you're watching like the dial in the olden days turn over, they weren't digital. They were like the um the <laughs> rotating uh numbers on the gas pump. That's what I used to see turning over when I was talking to you, because I knew you got paid big bucks to talk to people. And so I was like every time I'd hear this ching 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 when I was talking to you, so I would trim all the fat. I try not to waste your time, and now I waste your time all the time,
1: and I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, even that's different, though. Like it's just like someone who's supposed to be making me money. I don't. I don't like wasting my time with them unless they're actually going to make me money. So, most of the businesses that I've run have been some sort of commission based business. So, there is a degree of I have to invest in people. So, one of the things that I would do is, you know, I'm not going to meet with you one on one if you're not going to my group training when I have all the agents in the room. Because what you think I've got nothing better to do with my time than sit there and, you know, meet with you one on one when you could have just come to the meeting and got it all then. But this is to me, this is so different, in like very much what you said, the reason that you don't mind so much is did the time that I invest in them bring them uh, closer in their walk with God, um, you know, That's bring it. them in more of the, the spiritual side, whatever that, that, how that may play out for them. And so when I look any, at that, it's totally different than business.
2: Yeah. And any church planning situation, you have to know when you're church planning that, uh you're looking at these people as you know like you love them it, it it it's uh like when Paul says to the Corinthians you know i was like a father to you i'm your father in christ and then he says you know i'm your mother i'm nurturing you um these are relational terms that Paul's using when he says my brothers um and and even jesus connected uh ministry with this familial uh, feeling that you know when he says you know who are my mothers and brothers you know those that do the will of my father so uh, as you're partnering with people you love them and it it's weird you you get this weird bond with people you serve with but if they you know like Jimbo for example right Jimbo's with us in Long Beach I poured a lot of time into Jimbo and that dude's a gifted dude but Jimbo's taking a break and he stepped back and he and I talk about that we you were know? on a from- break. <laughs> sorry from time to time i'll talk to him and i'll I'll reassure him i'll say hey man if you never plan a church i don't regret a second i spent with you how how could you you know i poured into him and he poured into others and it was beautiful and he's gifted and i don't think god's done with him but he had a brand new baby um he's running his own business expanding that and uh you know some other things happened in in life that were you know kind of caught him out of left field and uh But you never regret that. You never, ever regret that. And, uh, you know, so that's definitely not a Judas or a a John Mark uh, scenario in my book. Well, I'm sure that makes Jimbo feel really good. You know, you can put
1: the little uh, Jimbo and then the not equal sign Judas. I mean, that, that would
2: make me feel pretty good. You know, we should make a meme with Jim, Jimbo's picture on it, and then just say <laughs> "Not Judas" at the bottom. Um, but, but you know that honestly, though, like I love Jimbo, and that's a, And I, and occasionally, I'll call him up. Hey, how you doing, man? It's not. And and this is the thing with discipleship. Discipleship should never be using people. Um, I think a lot of people coming from established churches feel used, and the refreshing thing when they come into a church plant is you're saying to them, and hopefully you should, I mean, I still need to make a bunch of little movies that kind of have like church planning philosophy in them and, 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 and the tone you ought to be setting for your church plan. One of those things is we care more about you than what you can do for us. That is one of the golden rules for any church I plant. I say that all the people say, oh, cause you know, the, the resources are small and there's not a lot of people. So it's not like you know the the when uh, the other day Scott Blair said, oh you know the 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 eighty eighty what do he call it the eighty twenty rule that yeah. you know where he said twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work. That's definitely not the case in a church plant, and that's what he was getting at. Um, in a church plant, there's not many people. It's all hands on deck, and people get tired and worn out. So you try to rotate people and stuff, but people constantly will come to me and say, oh man, I. I need a break. And I never, I say, hey, no, but you know what? Thanks for everything you've done. We'll be fine. Or if we got to fold that down right now, that's fine. You know, and we're not talking programs. It might be like, hey, I'm serving breakfast right now and I'm cooking this big hot meal. We're in the inner city. And I just say, you know, maybe we'll do Costco muffins that week. No big, you know, thank you for every second you devoted, but we care more about you than anything you can do for us. And when people know that, that, that your discipleship and your care and love and attention is genuine, um, then, you know, I mean, come on, the, the Lord, does He care about what we can do for us more than He cares about us now? Yeah. So you that know, I, comes—
1: I think part of that, too, is I, as I listen to that—and this is this is a tough place to get to, but part of me as I listen to that, I think, you know, what it says to me is that you— you really do need God to show up in so many ways. Like you're pushing the success of the church off of your shoulders onto God's. Yep. And absolutely. If you're just willing to, I, you know, and I mean, this is easier to say than it is to practice, right? I mean, um, (laughs) all this stuff's easier to say than to practice, but to be, you know, kind of like, Hey, here, here's the deal. Um, you know, you, you've got to quit doing breakfast, not a problem. If God wants us to keep, you know, doing this to the community, God's gotta bring in someone else to, to pick that up. I don't think it needs to be you as the pastor no. or the leader of uh the group to be like, all right, well now I got I just added something else to my plate. Dude, I think it, I think you is. need to have a cutoff. No, I'm I'm not adding that to my plate.
2: Ab yeah, absolutely and and it's knowing you're gifting and you know i just took this leadership assessment for a denomination so that i could train their church planners and they maybe you know they're making me jump through all these hoops and it's fine and it's good but one of the questions Did over it, and over, you just over say
1: don't you know who i am don't yeah, you know I put who that i on am the note.
2: don't you know you know me big church planner man um no but you know it, it's like you how do i put it like you um, this assessment kept asking questions just like that. Um, what we're talking about right now and it kept focusing and I thought these guys understand church planning, you know? Um, so, you know, and it, it, when I went into church planning, I, you I didn't, you went know they there. just found the assessment on the internet and took it and used it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I, uh, yeah, it's outsourced. It's actually really good. The people that design it know what they're doing, but, when I went into church planning, I had quit ministry like when I went into it full-time, you know I, I say full-time because I was in more established ministry and I quit and I was like, God I don't so when stuff started kicking off um, you know and, and one of the things is we planted a church with non-believers I mean that that's my favorite way to plan a church you, you have a couple core team members, um, maybe a few couples with you and the rest is all non-believers and because that's how you have to do it in Europe. So, you know, when, when that happened, I just remember going, I was a spectator and I was like, Lord, you know, this is your church plant. You're the senior pastor. You got to do this. But, but going back to this, um, part of the apostolic gifting, uh, which, you know, using the term apostolic, we're not weirdos. Um, we mean literally like a missionary mindset, a sent out ones, church planners is, I use it synonymously. Um, but, but having that uh, apostolic bent um, uh, apostolics uh, they 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 train people um, that 's what they do they they reproduce themselves because in one sense they 're living vicariously through the other people they 're frustrated by the fact that they can only be and occupy one physical space at a time, so for me, if I could, I would like clone myself and plant everywhere right now i 'm planting a hub in north county san diego we've just planted one in la county i've got my sights in future on one in the inland empire and because i just want to keep churning out church plants in areas where no one wants to go where there's no money there's lots of vice and uh you know so so what i need to do is train other people and um but that's part of the apostolic gene it used to be my ministry was about my ministry and then it became about I church plant and I reproduce people on the way. Now it's become I get out of the way. And as I get out of the way, uh, I, I train guys up. And that's how it works. Hmm. So, so how do you – just out of curiosity, how do you
1: invest in guys? Like what, what do you – how do you recommend that you do a discipleship for your leadership team? Not necessarily for, you know – the average uh, person in church but someone who's really stepped up and is like look i'm going to be a leader in this thing you know whether they've said it or not or you know they're going to be a leader what, what does that For, look like
2: first thing i do is i welcome everybody to serve um with me and and this is controversial because some people want position well i don't i don't offer position what i offer is opportunity And what I found over the years is people that are natural leaders. um, And when I say natural, like I mean supernaturally gifted and called, but just, you know, they take to it. You don't have to make them leaders, they are leaders. Um, Those people are going to respond to that call. And they're going to continue in that call. People who aren't called to it, th- this is what people don't understand. A lot of, a lot of people are like really kind of like they hold everything, you know, they hold the cards really close to their chest. It's kind of like a, a, a Christian country club. You got to have like X amount of, you know, money to get in there or what have you. And it's all a closed system. We, we have an open system. You can do just about anything in our church that you want except for work with kids if you come to me and say hey i want to share a devotional or my testimony we're always trying to get people in front of the church always because it's not a position deal for us um but what happens is whenever you, people ask never asked st-
1: me to give my testimony
2: <laughs> yeah you have you're what the british <laughs> call a ginger you never let gingers in your pulpit. I don't know what that means. But. Which g- ginger is a you know uh, in in Britain they don't say you have red hair they 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 uh, they say you have ginger hair and they nickname them gingers and all that stuff from uh, ginger children have no soul that was uh, bandied about on TV when South Park was was advertising which I don't watch by the way so I'm so holy but uh, that 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 whole yeah anyways you're a ginger. I, it's come out. It's I come out. I got like
1: a redheaded stepchild growing
2: up, dude. I'm telling you. Well, of course, back. Baptist PK man put the fear of God in you.
1: Anyway, go on.
2: So, anyway, take you off topic. Now, w- way off topic. So, here's a deal, right? Um, people that are meant to be in leader, they'll just continue on doing it. People who aren't will just come to you and go, you know, I I'm so busy and I this and that. And like I said, that that's no problem. I have no issue there. But I I know that they don't have the stamina. Leaders have stamina. And so I open I open it up wide. Anyone wants to serve. And as they keep going, eventually they're gonna be invited on to to, to leadership. They're gonna be asked to, to be a deacon or I'll, I know some people don't believe in leadership. I am a huge believer in leadership, like a massive believer in leadership. I, I don't buy this, hey, we're all leaders. I I, I don't I just I don't know. That's great in Disneyland. It's cool if you want your worm fuzzies and that makes you feel special, but um, that's not what's in the scripture. There are there are leaders and that doesn't mean they have any special powers or they're your boss. They're your examples. I'm the leader of my family. Um, all that means is I take the lead spiritually to look out for them to care for them and um, and, and so when I say leadership i don 't mean a position of power um, you know or some special entitlement. I literally mean you 're the person who leads out by serving, you run out and you serve in front of people you 're the biggest servant like jesus said that's that 's my definition of leadership. But there is a certain amount like where Paul says, you know, show those guys respect or, you know, uh, submit to those guys, you know, like roll with it is what he's saying. Don't don't oppose them at every step. You know, they're they're leading out in front. In other words, follow, you know, follow them. They're 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 walking out in front. Follow them. They're not lording it over you. But um, but but that's a deal. So that's the first thing. And then how I know um, before I ever put people on, I I think Mark Driscoll has it right. Number one. um. I'll get to the Mark Driscoll thing. But number one, I got to sense it in the spirit. And without getting hyper mystical or whatever, um, I do believe in a supernatural God. And I do believe that sometimes God just puts stuff on my heart. I'll recognize people. If I see a guy get saved, my first desire is to turn that person around and see them five, 10 years from that, like on the day they get saved, um, sharing the gospel, you know, doing all the stuff. I don't want to see anything that they can't do from the moment they're saved. And so I look at them like that, that you can do anything I can do, really. You could preach to people. I got saved and I preached. I think I got saved on a Thursday, and the guy who led me to Christ took me out preaching on a Saturday. And when I say preaching, like walking up to people and talking to them. And that was a game changer for me, and I still remember that. And I'm so glad he threw me in. He gave me a commission he's like look man you're the only one of your friends uh he took off to a school of evangelism he's like you're the only one of your friends it's going to reach your friends um you're a missionary now and so this whole missional movement thing before that was hip and popular the guy who led me to christ got it and he commissioned me i was like okay and so i still think that way but uh so i can be talking to a guy who's an ex-con fresh out of prison just get saved on a Sunday morning at my church, and I just know this dude's the leader. I sense it in the spirit. And because you can only invest in so many people, like Jesus invested in 12 people, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could invest to the level that Jesus did in 12 people. I have a much smaller number of people I can invest in, and I invest in them. And I do it regularly. So if you're on my leadership team, I'm going to spend significant amounts of time with you. Um, even though it's not a full-time job, I'm either drinking coffee with you, I'm eating dinner with you, you're over at my house, or if we live far apart, I'm on the phone with you. Uh, th- that's what I do. And that's my most important job because I am reproducing myself. And to me, that's the most important thing I do. I dig it, I man. shut up now because I, you know, I'm talking so much, but I'll, I'll get really passionate about it. My guy, shut up.
1: No, because I'm just taking it in and I'm just thinking, you know, how how when I look at that, just like I said before, I see it as such a vital piece that it, it doesn't really fit the makeup of what we think of when we think of a, a church launch or a, um, you know, just the whole church planning idea because so much of what we've been um taught to believe culturally in the church culture, all of that is, you know,
2: go big or go home. Yeah. And and it's so understandable for a church planner who's just starting out his first church to just, hey, man, all I can think about is this church because he's scared and he's worried about, you know, it, uh, is it going to reach any loss? If, even if his motives are completely right, he's still got enough to be scared about. You know, is this thing, you know, and, and are these people going to recognize, you know, that God is on mission in this neighborhood. Um, are we going to actually like reap? We're going to sow. Yeah, we're going to water. Yeah. Um, are we going to reap? Is God going to give the increase? Or, there's a lot of stuff to freak you out in ministry, legitimately freak you out. So I understand why a church planner wouldn't be coming in going, hey man, from day one, I'm planning, I'm, you know, I'm training and discipling the next generation of church planners." I can understand that. But what I'm telling you, is that when you start out you start out like Paul on his first missionary journey and as you've been going for a while you start thinking like Paul on his second missionary journey we haven't even talked about Paul's third missionary journey where he really kind of hones it but uh, on his second missionary journey he had strategy he was thinking more strategically and I think by your you know second third church plant you get this you if, if you didn't listen to this podcast you would feel it in your bones. You would just know. You know what's funny? The the
1: further down this path we go, the more—and the path of doing all this Church Planner Magazine, the podcast, all that—the more I really have come to appreciate what the missional communities are doing. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, from my background, you know, Baptist Church, um, going to a well-known evangelical university— uh, you know, just being in Christian culture my whole life, you know, I hear the whole idea of a missional community, and I'm like, what is it? Just a bunch of crackpots. I mean, it's like it doesn't seem like real church. And yet the more I go into all the stuff that we're doing, the more I'm like, you know what? that just seems so much more genuine to me of what mm-hmm. we're supposed to do. not to say that you know, how uh, refuge Long Beach church plan has been and and all the church plants that um, that are following a, the the more attractional model. Um, not to say that you know that's the wrong way to do it, but I just I, I understand it so much better now mm-hmm. when I look at it from the standpoint of being more about relationships. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I mentioned this on the last podcast. I love the guys who are bivocational because it makes so much sense to me. If you've yeah. got your income coming in from one thing, and you don't have to worry about the income from the church. It frees you up to be like, look, I just want to, you know, pour myself into someone. I, I want to um, really get to know them, to really have a relationship with them, without having to be like, you know, I, I got to worry about putting butts in seats this Sunday because you know the offering yeah. plate's going to come around, and if
2: if it doesn't have enough money in there, you know, <laughs> we're toast. Um, well. It's funny because for me, this is this is where I, I feel like a bit of an oddball at times because I'm I started off in mega church, uh, attractional model and and worked backwards. Like when I went to Europe, there was no way that you could think attractionally. And but what happened was, you know, uh, I planted out of a Starbucks. It was a missional community. Um, but it, it was public gatherings were evangelism because that's where the traffic was. That's where we met. We actually met, like it says in the temple courts and house to house in the book of Acts that we did both because that was where the spirit was moving to reach lost people. And if, if you know the, the Welsh, uh, you're not, you're not going to get, they're not going to come to church. You got to go get them. And so for me, I, I'm this weird hybrid. Where Long Beach is actually both missional community and Sunday, the reason we're in that neighborhood serving breakfast, sitting around picnic tables, it's more missional community than people realize because it's all interactive church, but it's in a public space. And so um, I'm always kind of going from that angle if that makes sense. So when guys are kind of fighting it out, you know, Pepsi, Cola, no Coca-Cola is the real thing. No Pepsi, it's the one. Um, no man, we're in no cola wars for me. You know, I drink them both. They're good. Look at my refrigerator. I got a tractional model. You want to want a can of that or do you want to pop open a, a missional community? You know, they're both good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you I'm know, a pepper too.
2: You know what I'm saying? Love it.
1: Because, like, you, you know a little bit of my story. I, I called you this morning and told you, you know, what's going on in, in uh, a friend's life. Their their marriage is on the rocks and stuff. And and um, so I'm going to be getting together with them, you know, with the dude this weekend and just hanging out. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that experience. Because for me, like, I, I've got my my circle of friends who I spend a lot of time with. Or, and, and I think a lot of guys can relate to this. Maybe we don't spend a lot of time, but when we do spend time, it's like we pick up right where we left off. We're totally cool. And, you know, we, we can go from there. Well, this is a buddy who's a, a friend, but it's like, we're more like couples friends, you know, Our, me and my wife, him and his wife. And that's when we go out. Like he and I, I don't think we've ever, uh, the two of us gone and hung out. Like, that's just not what we've done. Right. And, um, but he's going through some stuff right now. Their, their marriage is going through some issues, and I, you know I'm looking at it, going, okay, you know, here's an opportunity for me to um, to be a positive influence on his life because I'm probably but, the only Christian friend he's got other than his wife.
2: But th- this is this is the missional shift that's taken place in you, Pete um rather than calling me up saying or, or talking to him and saying hey do you want to meet with my pastor or calling me and saying hey can you meet with my friend i think he could use a pastor right now um nobody at long beach ever asked me to go do anything for him they've gotten it that there's nothing i can do that they can't do and of course coming in from day one i people working do that, my way though? out Would of people a job like let
1: me hook you up with my pastor he can fix you
2: Absolutely. If you've come from really? the, uh, you know, kind of more traditional model of church, it's that the, the uh, high priest is the guy who, you know, wears the doctors. Really? I, I have absolutely. I don't know why pastors wear Dockers. But, you,
1: you see, know. to me, I, and this is my analogy to it, that's the equivalent of the used car salesman going, let me go get my manager.
2: Exactly, but see, now you're a PK, so you've seen behind the curtain. So you're like, oh, dude. And know, I've been in sales. Like everyone else, you know? Like, like whenever cool. my agents would be like, oh, you know what? Um,
1: can you come out and help me close this client? I'm like, dude, now I'm the freaking manager at the used car lot. I'm like, if I wasn't there on the first appointment, don't bring me in for the second.
2: It Absolutely, Absolutely. And when the Apostle Paul, right, when you see him, he's talking about his ministry, and he says, look. To me, God gave this ministry so he could display his grace through me. What Paul's saying is you ought to be able to look at him and say, if God can use that guy through his grace. Because, you know, the, Paul talks about ministerial. To me, this grace was given that I should preach unsearchable riches of the of the grace of Christ. There's grace upon grace. It's what the Puritans called ministerial grace. It is God's grace that he uses us. That's why Satan spends all of his time making you feel like crap, because there's this lie that says God can't use me unless I'm in fill in the blank. And the teaching of the Bible is ministry is all, all flows out of grace, every bit of it. And so when, when you're preaching to people that they are missionaries and you're also preaching the gospel or a grace-based message, which is what we've done in Refuge Long Beach, it was kind of like the tag team, like, you know, Charlie and I always laugh out, Charlie is always grace, 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 and I'm always spirit, spirit, spirit. So uh, you've got, you know, the, the cross and the resurrection always coming from the, po- you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus, those two things. That's what people need to know. Uh, God's blood in, in, in covering you, the cross symbolizes grace, the resurrection symbolizes power. Those are the two things I want people to know. Go out in his grace and go out in his power, and that's the key. Now you don't have to go to seminary. It just saved you three years. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff in there, the gospel, is those two things. I love it, man. I love it. So going back, okay, so we got, you know, we got these guys are serving, they're doing this. What I'm going to look for in people is I'm going to look for, Jesus said, that the, the the greatest among you be the the biggest servant. Um, if you look at our guys right now, our guys that, that we call them, you know, uh, deacons, because that's what the Bible calls them and um, although I hate that word cause it's fallen out of use, it's convenient. You know, you can just say, oh, you know, I in the deacons when they come out in the new translation that just calls them servants. So just, you know, guys who serve, but here's the deal they're They are, excuse me while I burp into myself. Um, they are our church planning interns, so to speak. They're the guys, they're the equivalent of the guys that were taken along with us. They're not elders yet. Um, but they're people that you know we're investing in we're pouring into them and they're just serving and uh, Paul says that about elders he says first let them serve um, you know before you appoint them so that's what we do is we let them serve and then one of the things I'm gonna look at is this is where I was saying Driscoll had it right Um, do they tithe you'd be you'd be surprised at so many people and I know some people are going whoa whoa wait a second Look, I have no problem with tithing because I don't gain my income. I never get rich off of a church that I plant. To me, that money's for evangelism. To me, that money's for outreach. Um, yes, it helps pay some of the guys. Paul argues for that in 1 in Timothy. Hugh Halter argues for that in Bivo. Uh, but I don't get a full wage off of a church. So I have no issue telling people, look, you need to give uh because to me giving is mission it's pushing the boundaries of the kingdom if i have money i can easily fund guys to go out and as our model is that's what we're doing and that's what we're talking about today so do they give number 1 that's important to me and i make that very clear that, you need to me be-
4: that
1: that's also a huge indication of heart where your heart is absolutely at. if you're yeah. not given like I- i'm just like anybody else it's hard for me to give but you know that's where your heart's at, so it's like I don't want my heart to be there i'm I'm absolutely I'm totally willing to give. I don't like to give, especially when you get bills due and you're like, how am I gonna meet these? God, come on, but you know that's us trying to rely on ourselves yeah. I mean you know it
2: is the way the way that we pick leaders um, nowadays is charisma and gifting and you know we've talked about this on an early podcast that character is a criteria. And so there's a lot of guys, simply because they're not the most charismatic, those guys never ever make it in leadership. Pastors just pass them by. And that, that drives me nuts. Um uh, I, I, those are guys, I'll still take and invest in them. We have meek people on our leadership, and they are servants. When, so, you know, they may just be shepherds. They may maybe be like we've got one girl. You know, she doesn't serve any function. Like I I can't think of, you know, anything that she does. She's she serves in Sunday school but she's one of our our deacons she's a deaconess but I tell you what she does when there's someone who's hurting she uh she's there she listens to him she cries with him she talks to him and it's not like oh go talk to her we don't have to do that it's not like she's there's what I'm saying is there's no program behind her there's no quote unquote ministry attached to her she just i just look around i just see her with hurting people always and it's Melissa right Reuben's sister.
1: She serves in the uh, children's ministry.
2: Yeah, she serves in there once a month. Yeah, but, but isn't but, she
1: pretty much an evangelist too? Like, isn't she?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, in a quiet way. But Dude, she that stinking will,
1: family know. is such an evangelistic family.
2: Look at Reuben and her. It's crazy. Absolutely, and and so here's the deal. You know, are they serving? Are they giving? That's that's important, right? Um, then the other part is, um, from the first day I'm thinking, right, who's going to take churches? And so we divide the church depending on how many people I, I divide the church up into like, you know, missional communities, groups of 10 to 12. Um, so again, we still have our public meeting, um, on Sunday, Sunday's all evangelism to me. That's all that is. And I'm, that's like my front porch, right? Um, it's all interactive. So it's not a show. We never throw a show. Um, but I, I, Everything is set up conversationally on Sunday, so they're conversing, they're talking around breakfast. Then after the preaching, they're talking because they're still sitting at these tables where they ate breakfast. And then what I'm looking to do is involve them. We've got a rehab group that meets. That's a missional community. Um, it's a missional community on outreach. <laughs> Just meeting that thing is a missional community and that draws people in to the church. How, right? how should you
1: raise church. money for a missional community like that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> or, or
1: how not it's, to raise money? Okay,
2: so here's the deal. You have to be willing to let your interns and the people you're training and discipling, you got to let them spread their wings. You got to let them fail. So like Mike, right? Mike Bonimo and Jimbo and Ruben, these guys are all coming I was training Charlie, but Charlie was an elder. Um, he had been a pastor before, but he never church planted. And so, you know, I'm training these guys. And, uh, and, and so what happens is, you know, I tell him at the beginning, I say, look, I'm here. You're going to screw up. Over the next few years, you're going to screw up. I, I was only supposed to be there a year. But I told him, look, you know, while I'm here, make all your mistakes. So I didn't know they're actually going <laughs> to take me up on it. <laughs> so, so, you know, I turn around. Mike's like, oh, you know, I, I want to raise money for this refuge recovery. And Mike won't mind me because we, we laugh now. I remember at the time I, I, I told him, dude, you can't keep doing this stuff. But I said, but watch, we're going to laugh about this. You know, a year from now, two years from now, we're going to laugh. But I turn around. He's like, oh, i got to raise money, you know, my carpet cleaning business and this and that. But I need to be freed up because I'm dealing with all these addicts. And I, I need to be able to cut back on my carpet cleaning business. And uh, he's like, so I'm going to go raise money, uh, you know, almost like a missionary for, um like Hugh's book, Bivo, talks about, uh, but for recovery. And um, <laughs> next thing I do, I get this invitation to attend a gold selling party <laughs> Like like come a jewelry party, and I'm like, dude, what's that? Like you know, and he's like, oh, this guy's coming. You know, he's he's gonna buy her gold and jewel, and you know, this guy's coming to like rip everybody off, right?
1: Well, maybe you don't know if the dude's (laughs) gonna rip everyone off, but it it's the gold party. Yeah, I mean, they're giving you. Maybe fifty, sixty cents on the dollar, and obviously That's they've got to make okay. their profit. So, yeah,
2: I know. I'm not. I'm not casting aspersions on the character of the individual. What I'm saying is that you know, yeah, they're you know, fifty on a dollar. Come on, you know, buying your gold and you know, so, so I had to tell them, dude, you know, and of course, then they're going to sign you up, right, so that you do a party, and it, it's it's pyramid selling at its best, right.
1: Well, and see, that's my whole thing is that multi levels invade the church like crazy, and
2: yes, they do. I'm a
1: living example of them, right? I mean, I'm a product of the multi level world, so not the illegal kind, right? But the uh, the legal, you know, the Amway esque versions of them, which are legal, you know. But um, and and they do they invade the church, right? And then you try and get all your friends and family, and then. I'm telling you man when pastors do it it's it's such a bad move because Oh yeah. It's going to not work for people and they're going to take it out on you. Yep. And it doesn't yep. matter that, you know, they didn't work. It doesn't matter that, you know, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. You're still the guy that got them involved and you're going to take the hit.
2: And, and just so you know guys um one one of my church planners uh years ago um you know he planted years ago, but a guy came in, and you know to to my you know planner's credit, he had no idea this and he was the guy to call the authorities um and and, and get the authorities involved my My buddy would have ran him out on a rail if he knew he was doing this stuff. And the guy, um, the guy was a, f- a fraud. He'd been doing uh, this fraudulent, uh, phony bonds for uh, 21 years, and was taking people like uh, taking people's retirement, like just cleaning. Uh, you would not believe how much money. And I can't say anything about it right now, but um, but my gosh, you know, you guys watch out. And it's funny uh, too because I hear about that clothing. stuff.
1: Yeah, and I hear about that with pastors, like major pastors. And how they had had never promoted anyone before, but it was such a good deal that they had told everyone in their church to go get involved. And it's like, you know, what are you thinking? That's why, like, when it comes to financial planning, I really don't like doing that for friends and family. Because the stock market will go down. Guaranteed. The only thing you can guarantee is that there will be down days. Absolutely. And – It's like always your fault. Now, when I see you at a a family get together, family reunion, you know, I'm the pariah in the corner. And it's so much worse when you're talking about the church. That's why I love sales. And I think that uh, pastors who are bivocational, you know, I I think sales is one of the greatest things they can go into because you can control your income. You can make as much money as you want to make in sales. You're not limited to an hourly wage. But there are some things that I think it's fine to go into, but I wouldn't necessarily sell or offer to the people in your church just because it can create bad situations.
2: Well, the, uh, I'm just telling you guys, like if you go to areas where the gospel is very needed, you need to understand that it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there. And there are people who have learned. If, if you're from like a middle-class suburban neighborhood, you haven't experienced the world. You've been very sheltered. Growing up in Orange County, California, they used to tell us we lived behind the orange curtain. Yeah. Um, I'm planting in L.A. County. I got to tell you, in my first year of a church plant, we 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 led a guy to Christ. He was baptized, um, really broken over a sin. Turned out, um, you know, he had a homosexual background and um, had been living for years and years. But it turns out the guy was um, trying to take me for a ride. And what happened was he, he said, Hey, I want to meet with you. He said, I own a lot of property. I have a lot of money. And, um, you know, when I'm, I'm dying and I need, uh, to leave it to somebody, are you interested? And I, I said, you know, and he said, and I want to leave it to you. And I said, no, I, I would never take money like that. That's, Uh, that's actually a character issue for me. Um, I can't do that. I can't ever benefit. So if you ever want to give it towards church, but you know,
1: your friend Pete Mitchell will take it.
2: (laughs) Well, I told him, I said, you know, if you ever want to give it to the ministry, you can. Um, but I would need to make sure everything was stitched up and done in order because it's a nonprofit organization. You can't give it to the org. Um, boom, boom, boom. So I went and saw a lawyer, but just something didn't feel right to me. And, um, and, and, and I still wasn't sure how I felt about it because, you know, I've never had, never had money. So, uh, you know, I went to the lawyer and it just, it's just all started unraveling, you know, right away. I mean, you know, there were stories upon stories upon and they were very believable. There are people out there that are con men. You just got to know this guys. Yeah. Um, it's not where I want to go in this conversation, but protect yourself. Don't ever let someone in. If it happens on your watch, um, you are culpable and you can go to jail, yeah, even if you never bought one of these plans, um, if you in any way endorse this person i 'm just telling you like you can get busted, you have to be careful with this stuff guys there 's huge responsibilities that we have and i 've been around a bit i 've been in ministry for twenty one years I told you this week
1: Jamie got um, almost my wife almost got nabbed in a uh, in a scam on the internet. Yeah, like this dude. You know, my wife's an ice skating coach, so he emails her uh, from England. Hey, my son's going to be over there for three months. I need him to take an hour a week a lesson uh, for three months, and that's a lot of money. I mean, because yeah. private coaching lessons are expensive. I don't know what it is. It's like probably sixty-five to seventy bucks an hour, and you know. So I think the total bill is going to be like eighteen hundred bucks or something. And as soon as they agreed on that, you know, and she's like, okay, and I got to speak to his current coach and I need to know what he's working on. Uh, so I know where to pick up the, the coaching. And he goes, oh, okay, well, now that we've got the money thing cleared up and then it like started to go really weird. And so my wife goes, what is this? I mean, this doesn't sound right. So I did a, a quick IP search on the dude's uh, email and found out it was coming from none other than Nigeria. It's the stinking Nigerian scam. It's actually, for those that don't know, I mean, it's called the 419 Nigerian scam because they used to have the whole, you know, the prince of Nigeria has got $30 million and, you know, needs to funnel it and you'll get 10%. And so it was funny because I told my (laughs) wife, I go, dude, the way he's starting it right now, he's going to be like, you know, we've got this money for nine grand. Why don't we just give you the nine grand, you take out the seventeen hundred and pay us the difference? Well, yeah, when you're writing an international check, it takes a few weeks for it to get caught by your bank that it's a bad check. And by then you've already, you know, given them the six grand and they've made off. So I
2: I would like to buy some ice skatings, please. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, you know, if they're they're tagging you, they're tagging other ice skating people. Like they figured out they could do this. But look it's
2: It's it's time to wrap up, but here's the deal, man. Like, you know, before we do just a couple pointers on, on training your guys, just to leave you with here, something to chew on, something practical. Um, Number one, spend two hours a week with, with people. One hour is not enough. You just kind of start relaxing in two hours. I don't care if you go to McDonald's and buy the cheap coffee, you go to Starbucks and buy the expensive coffee. Go somewhere, go to Corner Bakery and hang out with all the grippers, right? You, you know what grippers are, right? Like old people, you know, like when they meet you, they grab you. They grab your oh, how are you? You know, we call those grippers in Wales. Um, we but, call those know, molesters go, here in America, but go on. <laughs> no, no, it's not the same. It's not the same kind of gripping. It's just, you know, old people like grab onto your limbs and like squeeze and talk to you. But, Why are old anyways. people grabbing onto your limbs? I don't let
1: them anywhere near me. They scare me.
2: <laughs> Andrew is the same. Okay now here's the deal. Uh, spend two hours because that's where you share hearts. Be real. don't don't go in there with an agenda right we're gonna but do assess what their needs are. Some of my guys needed theological training. Um, so there was a period where I did train them theologically and I got them reading. Um, there was another period where we just talked. There was another period where I took them out on mission because they needed evangelistic, uh, you know, boning up. Then I had times where I had them plan things, you know. So um, that discipleship is going to come in different ways. Remember, Jesus didn't just sit around on the beach with guys and talk to them. He took them out. He sent them out. Discipleship looks different ways. Um, depending on their needs at that time, there were times Jesus is like, Hey, you feed the people. Then there's times he's like, Hey, I'm going to sleep and see how you guys do. See if you got the faith to get across this water through the storm. So Jesus had very specific things that he did right to develop them. And they, it wasn't like day in, day out, it changed. So be ready for that, um, and assess them at all times and what they need. Then give them a missional community. I started to say earlier, I divide the church up into like different groups of 10 to 12 people. And this is going to sound weird, but I let them practice. That's like a mini church. And I let them practice on these small groups of 10 to 20 people. You will encounter in a small group like that, a missional community, everything that a normal church would encounter, at least every biblical thing. You may, you may not be dealing with like, you know, W-9s and, you know, all kinds of, you know, package deliveries to the front door. You're not going to have all that crap. It's just business stuff, right? They don't need help in that. They need help in the biblical. They need the help in people, right? They're going to learn that. They need to learn things about the Holy Spirit and how he moves in a group, how he moves in an individual, how he moves in them as a teacher. That's what they need. They need to see how people come and bring their gifts to the table. They're going to learn all that in the missional community. And, of course, like I said, if they screw up really bad, you're training wheels. You're right around the corner. Um, you know, you can, you can always clean up their mess, if that makes sense. It does. Let them teach. And, and one of the things that I do is I keep everyone on the same teaching regime. Um, I, I can't remember if I covered this last week or not. Did we talk about this, Pete? Briefly, I think we touched on it. And because we're wrapping up, this is probably all we're going to give on the podcast. But the reality is um, I keep them all on the same thing because I want to be interacting with them throughout the week as I'm studying as they're studying. And eventually what's going to happen is they're going to bone up as teachers and they're going to be ready to do just about anything. You know, Sundays are my time to really go at it um, with individuals. But I, I'm, not, I'm only in the pulpit once a month. That's so my other guys can go. I'm, plan- I'm literally a church planting hub. I am churning out church planners. So I strategically start off a church plant where I'm not in the pulpit every week. Because I don't want to, you know, I could go in and say, oh, me, big, bad preacher, man, and church need me, you know. Um, but the reality is that church doesn't need me. Church needs Jesus. And Jesus can be expressed through different guys. It's carnality. According to Paul that says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And you'll have people tell you, you need to be in the pulpit every week to establish yourself. Well, God forbid that I should establish myself. Right? Literally. Paul said, I labored in yeah. for one thing to be known among you, Christ and him crucified. Get out of the way. And let your church from day one see a team leadership. Let them see these and let these other guys work in. Some guys aren't ready for Sunday yet. They'll stink the room up first time. Let them practice in cogs. Let them bone up on teaching, learn the dynamics. You're discipling them. You're meeting with them. You're helping them in prep. You're calling them up saying, how are you doing with this passage? How are you going to break it down? Right? But you're starting them from day one. It's not a one-man show. Right? Does that make sense?
1: It does. Totally does.
2: So, hey, that, that's, about, that's about it, really. I mean, there's a lot more I could talk about. Discipling guys. Spend time with them. Love them. Be their friends. Don't be their superiors. Be their friends. Paul, Paul used the word for his partners, and it was just that partners, fellow workers. Um, he, he never called them his underlings. He didn't have that tone. Uh, t- he, t- he writes at one point about Titus and says, I told Titus, you know, hey, it'd be cool if you meet me here. And Titus said, no, I'm going to go on it. You could tell Paul, no, you know, um, he wasn't like the big boss man. And that's it. I, I think of myself as like the big brothers of America. I'm their big brother, I'm not their dad. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It does. And they're on the team. Hey, before we uh, do our closing uh, hurrah, we forgot to uh, say earlier, um, after we played those messages, if you want to call in and leave us a message on the old Church Planner Podcast message line, give us a ring at 562-553-0004. And uh, you know, let us know what you think of the podcast. If you've got a topic or whatever you want to uh, bring <laughs> up or you want us to cover, leave it on the message line
2: again 562-553-0004 absolutely this has been the church planner podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching you have to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing
1: thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with pete mitchell and peyton jones We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.